this evening we're gonna hopefully praying to the Lord. We'll finish our series um, on Philemon, which specifically is about conflict management and having right relationships. And uh, I, I like what uh, Chris had to say earlier, um, because our unity is under constant attack. Uh, we don't know that because it's subterfuge. Um, it's the enemy working deceitfully or subtly, and he does it in our own hearts. And it's uh, something that we don't even realize until we have this conflict and we find ourselves at odds with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and our enemy is constantly seeking a beachhead. Um, and he's looking out amongst you and I to do that. And I think that's interesting because um, like a disease, it, it kind of goes after the body, right? And once it hits a part of the body, it affects the entire body. I just realized that recently uh, as, you know, when one member suffered, the whole body was suffering. And it's interesting that the enemy is attacking the body. It can't attack the head, right? The head is solid, but it attacks the body. And uh, that is something that we want to talk about tonight as we finish up Philemon. And I think about this, there was a, a bunch of examples in the New Testament of conflict that Paul addresses. And just for the sake of time, because uh, there's in Acts 15, you see a conflict between Paul and Barnabas. In uh, Philippians, you see this issue with Iodius and Syntyche, some issue with them. Um, but you also see in the, the church of Corinth, contentions, right? That's the thing that Paul addresses in Corinthians. And I know we all focus in on the scandalous fornication that was going on in that church. But that wasn't is the big issue. It wasn't the first thing that Paul pointed out, and it wasn't what he would address later. It was, what was it? Contentions, murmurings, disputings that they had openly in their church, uh, which was just as much of a danger to the church. And um, so we're going to get into it, and I want to do a recap of what we covered so far in Philemon, and we're not going to cover all 19 verses, but... We, we talked about the importance of confronting conflict, not running to it, not running from it. We also talked about assembling your arsenal, which is basically spiritual weapons, prayer, grace. And I know we like to hone in on truth, and yes, truth is there, but really grace has to be there more than anything in those conflicts because a lot of times we bring truth to the matter and all we end up doing is bashing each other in our head with truth. Right, because what's the phrase? My truth. You heard that phrase? Well, that's my truth. Well, no, there's one truth. And so we will want to submit to the one mind, which is Christ, which is interesting in 1 Corinthians chapter one because he talks about having the same mind and the same judgment. And what you find out later in Philippians chapter two is that mind is in Christ and that mind was what? It was one that humbled himself. And we're gonna, we're gonna hit into that because really all of this book of Philemon could be summarized with just being Christ-like. I know that sounds simple, but really what Christ did is our example. And so we're gonna continue going through this. Another one is building bridges instead of um, barriers. And that's just our mission, reconciliation. We're to be building bridges all the time, not barriers. Um, and then also seeing and seeking souls. If we see the other individual, as an eternal being, as a soul. Not an obstacle, not what? An opponent. And that a lot of times happens in conflict, right? As soon as I have a conflict with someone, they're my opponent. And then it's like any sports match. How do I defeat you? 
How do I overcome you or beat you? And uh, if I saw them as a soul, as God sees them, that's gonna change my approach. And then we need to see the celestial in the circumstances. In other words, the problem that's there um, is usually a lot of times because of our own doing or just sin nature. But in those circumstances, God is present and he's working. And then finally, we talked about credibility. And this has to do with your testimony, that in conflict, maintaining a testimony, having a testimony, it's very important. But tonight, we're gonna get into number seven. And it's um, seek settlement through sacrifice. So you like all my alliteration? I don't know, I got a problem. Um, seek settlement through sacrifice, okay? And, and what I mean by that is, okay, have any of you been in a uh, like formal dispute resolution? And I'm gonna talk, I mean, divorce proceedings, that's, some, that's a dispute resolution. But I mean, literally at work or something where you had someone like mediate between two parties. If you've ever been involved in that, maybe you've been a mediator. Um, I was able to get training and do this through my employer where I mediated disputes. And I've also been on the other end of the table representing uh, my em employer in a, in a dispute. And it's always interesting, right? Because when you're a mediator in a dispute, um, you have two parties and they, when you get to that point, they're locked in. Well, this is what I believe or I want. This is what I believe and what I want. And they're at odds. And so as a mediator, your, your job is to find some wiggle room, some give, concession, right? What will you give and what will you give? And you try to find it in the middle, something where you can walk away. And I know that's, it's, it's a bad word today, compromise, right? Concession, sounds like weakness to me. And right away, we don't want to do that. Concession, compromise, give up something. I don't know about that. So is concession weakness? I mean, no mercy. Cobra Kai, anybody? Okay. <laughs> right, but that, we love that though, right? I mean, we get a, yeah, no mercy, stand your ground. Sounds Christian almost. But that's what we, we approach that. Let me ask you something. What did God give up? To, to settle the dispute between man and God, what did he give up? What did he concede? I'd say he gave up quite a bit. He gave his only begotten son. He set the example, did he not? I mean, do we have any excuse to say, no, no, I'm gonna stand my ground or do we, in the pursuit of reconciliation, desire to reach resolution and reconciliation? I think about this because when you think of concession being weakness, I do think again of 1 Corinthians chapter one where it talks about the cross. To the world it is what? It's foolishness and it's weakness. But to God, what is it? The power of God? It says the weakness of God is stronger than man. And I know that phrase when you heard that. First time I was like, weakness of God, that doesn't seem right. It's saying that that's the cross of Christ. When God made himself weak, when he put himself in the hands of faulty, sinful man to do whatever they wanted to him to reach us, but that was stronger than man. 
anything that we could do to him, all it did was, what? Bring about victory. Now think about that, because we're supposed to be following that by picking up our cross, correct? So when we are in some kind of dispute, the hardest thing that you and I can do sometimes is being the first one to reach out to resolve it. Is it not? The first one to what? Concede something, to apologize, to take the wrong. It's difficult, is it? It is, I mean, but that's where Christ took that on. Now, if we go to uh, Philemon chapter 18 through 20, or chapter 18, hmm, yeah. I've got a King James Bible. (laughs) I do, I swear, look. Um, In verse 18, This is what Paul says. Now, he's demonstrating a Christ-like approach to this dispute between, what, the runaway slave, the aggrieved owner, but now they're brothers in Christ, and he's bringing this reconciliation about because he had a divine encounter, and we know what Paul's gonna do when he runs into someone lost, right? Paul's gonna Paul. Paul's gonna witness, and sure enough, Onesimus, this runaway slave, gets saved, and he sends Onesimus back with this... Uh, back to Philemon with this letter. And so this is what Paul is saying to Philemon. If he hath wronged thee, speaking of Onesimus, or oweth thee aught, because remember there's this potential belief that when Onesimus left, he probably took something with him, some goods, some coins, I don't know, something that was not just that he left, but he left and left some kind of debt. Now, it could have been just his services. We don't know, but there's a debt here. And Paul says, if he have wronged thee, or if he oweth thee aught, put that on mine account. I, Paul, have written it with mine own hand. I will repay it, albeit I do not say to thee how thou owest unto me even thine own self besides. Yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Now, There's two aspects of this. The first thing is Paul is first saying, here's what I'm willing to give up. Whatever the debt is, whatever the gap is that's keeping this reconciliation, I'm willing to cover it. I mean, literally, financially, Paul's gonna cover it. Make more tense, I suppose. I don't know where he's gonna come up with the money, but he's literally saying, I believe in this reconciliation so much, and I believe in this soul here so much, that I'm willing to put that on mine account. Man, that is so Christ-like, is it not? Is that not what the Lord did to us? I have this sin debt. I can't pay it. I'm a runaway. And what does Christ say? Put that on my account. I will repay that. Is there a debt? I'll cover that. Man, that is a Christ-like attitude, and you have to have that in conflict management. You gotta have that in any dispute. Are you willing to sacrifice and be Christ-like? What can I do to reconcile this? That's an attitude. Put that on mine account. You know, the key thing here, though, is that second part, though. The key is to get the other party also to give up something. All right, I've been in these disputes, and it's like, well, we're willing to give up this. What are you willing to give up? Well, Does that mean I have to give something to God? Well, yes, you have to give up. You have to acknowledge the truth and you have to accept what Christ has done for that payment. But this is that other part where he's he's asking something of Philemon. At the end, he says, you know, and I love this about Paul. Um, 
he basically says, you know, I'll pay it, though I, you kind of owe me, buddy. Isn't that kind of funny? You kind of owe me. And why would he owe Paul? Because I don't know if Paul led him to the Lord, but he had a great influence, like a father to Philemon, and probably Epaphras as well at the Church of Colossae. That Church of Colossae, Paul never visited, but it's likely that under the influence of Paul when he was at Ephesus, Epaphras and Philemon became under that influence and got saved and started that church. Don't know who started the church, but that's likely. And he says, you owe me, but here's what you really could give me, joy. By doing this, you give me joy. This is what you can provide me. This is your sacrifice. And that's not gonna be easy, is it? I think about this specifically like with marriage. You have two parties. I know it sounds like, is that a dispute already? (laughs) You have two parties that think different, that have been brought up different, have different ways of approaching things, different levels of the toilet seat and so forth. And, um, but what does God require of both parties? A sacrifice. Ephesians 5 says, husbands love. I know that's not a Hallmark card, ladies, but love in that sense that's laid out in Ephesians 5 is a sacrifice. Because it's like, as Christ, what? Loved the church and gave himself for it. And it's something you have to give and die to self in order to do, and it's the same way with the wife. The wife has to submit, that's a sacrifice. Both parties do that, but when both parties do, does that marriage not rock? But when one's not, what happens? Conflict. But that's where, like the Lord says in Isaiah chapter one, come now, let let us reason together. I'm, I'm gonna meet you there I'm gonna cover that account. Bring me joy by submitting to this truth. You know, it's, uh, there's some points about this uh, number seven that we need to ask ourselves when it comes to sacrifice and what Paul talks about. Are you willing to give up something for reconciliation purposes? What are you willing to give up? And whatever that dispute is, you need to think about it. What can I give up? And can I be the one to reach out and say, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I, I think I did something wrong. I may not know what I did wrong, I probably did something wrong. How can I fix this? Now I know you may get that sent right back in your face, right? But I get, there's so many times when that meek approach breaks a will, builds a bridge. When you simply just say, you know, I wanna make this thing work. How can we do that? And if, but it takes one party to do that, doesn't it, a lot of times? I'm sorry, what have I done? How can we fix this? What can we do to make this right? You wanna prove all parties in that, but definitely for yourself, make sure you're right. Ask yourself, am I, is there something I'm holding on to, some grudge, some ill will towards this other individual? And then allow God to work on that, and we'll talk about that here in a bit. But gently remind yourself and others of debt. Now, we don't have a sin debt, but Paul said many times, I'm a debtor, we're debtors, to one another. We owe each other grace, we owe each other the truth, but man, we owe, it's the body. I owe 
my life to you. What happened, we just talked about, we prayed about, when someone's hurting, I'm hurting. I don't even know it, but I know I'm hurting. It was Martin Luther that said that we are all Onesimuses. Martin Luther said that. You know what he meant by that? We're all slaves. We're all slaves. What Paul is trying to get Philemon to acknowledge here is that you also are a slave. Man, if that could if that could sink in, if he could acknowledge that spiritual truth of himself, do you think his approach would be a little bit different to Onesimus? We're all servants of Christ. And the last thing is be not weary in well-doing because man, I'm telling you, uh, this is easy to do. Like, I can sacrifice. Look at what I did, I just sacrificed. But that's a lifestyle. What it, that phrase about be not weary in well-doing, you see that in the scriptures a couple times. The reason why it says that is because you and I have to sustain this. Have to sustain that life of sacrifice. And don't you sometimes feel tired of being the one? Why am I always the one? <laughs> you get I mean, you do, you get tired. But that's when... That thing in the Bible is called murmuring. You ever heard murmuring? I love that word murmur because it actually is um, what you hear when people murmur. Murmur, murmur, murmur. <laughs> I think they're murmuring over there. Murmur, murmur. It, it actually, that's what it's defined as. It's a low, continuing noise, a grumble, a complaint of discontent. And where does that come from? It's because I didn't get what I wanted. And I'm mad and I want to fix it. And so that idea of sacrifice has to be a lifestyle, a conversation. Not just, I did it once, yay, where's my trophy? No, it's a lifestyle that you do. Seek settlement through sacrifice. It's, it's your mindset of building bridges. Okay, this verse that Paul says, to this extreme, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15, he says, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. You know, I'm, I, I will give and give until I'm out of it. I've got nothing left. And I'm not expecting anything in return. And I'm probably not gonna get anything in return. And that's okay, because that's not why I'm here for is to this quid pro quo business. So even if you're seeking settlement through sacrifice and you, the other person doesn't, you and I need to. That's Christ-like. Because he gives and he gives and he keeps giving. And even when you and I reject it, even when you and I don't want anything to do with it, he still presents it and offers it. Christ-like, a giver, not a consumer, not what can I get out of this? Number eight, prove providence in the process. Sorry, it's a good thing no one's on the front row. The splash zone. I, I, sorry, I gotta tell myself here, I got a little time. Um, in shepherd school, way back in the day at the Kansas City Baptist Temple, um, Dr. Jeff Adams, he would teach in, um, Shepherd school. And um, 
Well, this is going to be recorded, isn't it? <laughs> he had, uh, he excoriated or expaporated or he spit, basically. He, was, he would speak and it would, stuff would happen. But I just remember none of us sat on the front row. <clears throat> I just remember, let's go to the back here, but uh, we learned that quick. It's not my Bible. But maybe then it was like, oh, I got Jeff Spittle on my Bible. I'm going to save that. We, we worshiped some of those guys, but uh, anyway. Proof providence in the process. Okay, now what this means is um, it's about trust and confidence in what the Lord is doing, okay, in the other individual. The biggest problem with conflict management is people, right? <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's me because I'm tr- untrustworthy. You don't know what I'm going to do. You hope I'll do that, right? But all you know is from what you've seen, probably past patterns. What have you done before? But you and I, we're like, we don't fly straight. We're like moths. You ever seen a moth fly? I mean, if you had to shoot one, they just, well, you know. But that's us as Christians. We're, we're up and down, we're untrustworthy. And so the idea of, of tr- and, and believe me, Paul is entrusting a lot here when he sends Onesimus back to Philemon. Okay? He is sending back someone that is now under the power of someone that could hurt him, kill him, and do whatever he wanted to him. But he's entrusting him with something. This is why he writes this, but it's a small letter. And yet, he's got to trust faulty man. Let's face it, Philemon was, as all accounts, we read it earlier in the book, a good brother in Christ, loved the church, was a faithful minister, but he's flesh. Okay? He's like you and me. And you know, it doesn't matter if you're the pastor or you're sitting in a pew, we got our good days and our bad days. And we can get fleshy like anybody else. And so I don't know if he's so upset with Onesimus what he's going to do. But he's going, Paul is proving providence in this process. And you can see this in verses uh, 20 and 21. We just read 21, but or 20, we'll read 20 again, says, yea, brother, let me have joy of thee in the Lord. Refresh my bowels in the Lord. Having confidence in thy obedience, I wrote unto thee, knowing that thou wilt also do more than I say. Now, I know you could read that and saying, in other words, it's kind of like one of these passive-aggressive statements. I know you're going to do the right thing. If he could drop a wink in the envelope and send it. He might have, or an elbow to the rib cage. But really, what he, think of what he says right there off the bat. In the Lord. In the Lord. This is only gonna happen because of the Lord. Now, I, again, I could, I could command you to do it. He probably would do it. But is that sustainable? Okay, I'll tell you something. Religion... Religion does what? Religion mandates. What happens when that happens? Legalism. And a famous preacher once said, legalism breeds carnality. It's true. When you start setting rules, it's not sustainable. The law was not sustainable. What happened when you read your Old Testament with all those laws? 
Break, yeah, break them. They're there to be broken, right? 55, I'll do 60. I guess 55 isn't even a speed limit anymore. I am from the 80s. Sammy Hagar, I can't drive 55. Anybody? One, two, three. Okay, an auction. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's 55 miles an hour signs. They all got stolen when that song came out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the law, you're going to break it. Um, but what is Paul trusting in him? Paul's expressing confidence in, the, in this man or in the, the Lord that dwells in this man? That's the key, okay? I mean, I always thought, I mean, how would we do this today? Well, we would, we might send some influencers down there to make sure they really understood. Or just maybe just trust that the Holy Spirit that dwells within Philemon will show him the same thing he's showing me, right? Think about that. This is the one thing I, I think if I, I've learned about conflict management or anything, it's like, if I have another brother in Christ, they have the Holy Spirit of God within them. Think about that. Do you not think the Holy Spirit is witnessing truth to them? Do you think it's gonna be more persuasive than me? Yes. Do you think the Holy Spirit's ever gonna sleep or stop? No. It's gonna be working this out in the Lord. And this is why Paul had that confidence. I know you will do also more than I say. You know why he says that? Because it's not just gonna be my letter. It's gonna be the Holy Spirit guiding you. And it's gonna go beyond what I say here. That's the confidence he had in him. He didn't have confidence in the man. He had confidence in the Spirit of God in that man. Now, I know you might have disputes with lost people. But I'm telling you, even with lost people, the Holy Spirit can convict. Okay? It may not be within them, but it can be on them. Just all over them. Put them in a headlock. Right? Just those... What is it? The Bible talks about those hot coals that go like, what's going on here? Why did they do that? That is not normal. What they think is normal is you rooster up and they rooster up and then you you start chest bumping each other. (laughs) Yeah, and then, you know, Sorry, I have a few rooster examples because I have a a farm. (laughs) But you do that. But man, God is at work. If they have the Holy Spirit, trust in that treasure within them to guide them in there. There's two points to this for proving providence in the process. Facilitate the faith of others. Don't force it. Man, I I learned this lesson early. I've seen churches and religion force faith. Do this, why? Because I said so. Now they may not say that, but there's this influence, this pressure. Instead of allowing God to guide them, why are you doing this? I love the uh, testimony a few weeks ago about baptism. And basically was, well, I'm following the Lord, and it was kind of like they were, they had to be persuaded of it, but it was God that persuaded them. And I was like, that's the best way. You know, you can come in here, um, and you must be baptized. Okay, what else must I do? And instead of, well, what does the Lord say? And the Lord's persuaded me to do it. Man, that is sustainable, because that's God. And when God does a work, it's eternal. When God does a work, it is meant to transform. If I do it, 
It's called manipulation. And man, that is not sustainable. This verse, I love this verse, Philippians chapter one, verse six. Being confident in this very thing. Here's what Paul was confident in. That he which hath begun a good work in you shall, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's gonna do it. He's the one that's gonna do it. What I'm confident of, maybe not you, but the work of God in you. That's what I'm confident of. This is what I know God will do. And man, that's in a dispute. When you, you present this and you don't know how it's gonna end, you sometimes just gotta allow God to do that. Because it may not be now, it could be 10 years. But God is faithful. I, I don't know if you ever, uh, and, and maybe you're, not, you're more patient than I am probably, but <clears throat> you ever watch a, a child um, assemble a toy or a model or something. Um, and, you, and I'm sure there's some good dads out there. Good job, son. <laughs> Me, I'm like, let me help you out, son. <laughs> this is taking entirely too long, and that ain't where the wing goes. So that, that's me, okay? Uh, when someone's assembling something and they're struggling, we want to get in there and fix it for them. But, you know, I had to learn over the years that Johnny needs to do a school project himself. And even if it looks horrible, the science project, oh. C minus at best, right? <laughs> Good job, son. Or that thing you put on the refrigerator for a day. Um, but yeah, you have to allow those things to happen. That's part of the process, is it not? We all learn, we grow, we stumble, we fall, we, we learn and we grow and we have to allow God in that. That's providence, that's God's work in that process to get us to that point. The last point which is the Lord gets the last word, okay? Um, and I, I told you I'd do another rooster example. Um, I do have, we've gone through a number of roosters, and I know, how many of you have chickens in the city? Few hands, you don't have roosters, I know. You can't have roosters in the city. I live out in the country, so I can have a rooster. It's probably good you don't have a rooster because you'll have this issue. <clears throat> the rooster is a male, I am a male, he knows I'm a male, and so whenever I show up, he crows. And just when I'm there, like I'll, I'll be there, and he'll do his thing, and I'm like, I know what he's doing, and he gets to me. I gotta be, I'm, a, I'm the human here, I got a soul. <laughs> I'm supposed to be the adult here, but I'm like, man. So I'll, I like provoke him, I'll go, or I'll make some chicken noise, or I'll do something, and he'll get, oh yeah? And he will, he will go, and he has to get the last crow. Like literally, I'll go out, and I'll get the eggs, and he's cock-a-doodle-doo, and he's, he's dancing around his yard. Hey ladies, I'm the only one around here. And then when, by the time I get the eggs and get in, he's still crowing, and then, I'll do, I'll do one last one, I'll try to get, <laughs> but I'll hear him, I'll hear him through the door. He got the last one, anyway. I say that because, man, that, that's so cocky, right? That's just us. We gotta have the last word. Why? Because it's some victory, right? The last punch in, the last word. And, um, you know, the thing is with this concept of Philemon as we end here in these verses, 
you know, Paul says something very interesting. He says in um, verse 21, besides having confidence that he would do this beyond um, even more than I say, he says, but withal prepare me also a lodging, for I trust that through your prayers I shall be given unto you. Now, Paul is in prison. And it's believed that he was in prison twice. This one was maybe that more liberal, um, call it a, uh, I don't know. It's not one of those prisons where it was like a low security prison. Like he, he had uh, ability to freedom to move around, but that he was released and maybe he made it to Colossae. There's no record of that, that he did. Um, there is a record that he was rearrested and finally executed at some point, but did he ever make it to Colossae? We don't know, but he's hoping to be there, okay? And he says, um, there salute thee, Epaphras. Now remember, Epaphras was from Colossae, met Paul, told him about what was going on in Colossae. Onesimus and Epaphras are, are, um, are I'm sorry, Onesimus um, is bringing back the letter of Philemon and the letter of Colossae. So these are servants that are ministering with Paul that he mentions here. He mentions Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, Marcus, Aristarchus, Demas, and Lucas, my fellow laborers. And he finally says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Now, before we get into this other part, I, I just wanna say this because this is the last word, is verse 25. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. And this is a personal letter written directly to Philemon. And what he's saying is, Ultimately, it is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that will do this. And I'm just praying that it's with your spirit that what you do and why you do it, it is through his grace. Not that you would just do it because I said it, but that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ would be it because it's gonna be eternal then, okay? It's gonna be of some value and it will have some value at the judgment seat of Christ. And I think about this because he is sending off Onesimus, will he or won't he? Who knows? The Lord knows. Paul can't be there. He can't control it. He hopes to be there. And, and I think about that when he sends this letter off. I don't know how, it's, it's probably a long journey from Rome back to Colossae. I think it's like a thousand miles, which today, I don't know what is that, a couple days journey. But in the old days, could have been weeks, if not months, to get there that there was a lot of time for all of them to pray, for Onesimus to have second thoughts, and a lot of time for, you know, I, when I write a letter, something like this, I think, I should have said this. You ever done that? I wish I would have said that. I wish I, and we always do that, but ultimately, it's that last verse that I think about with any dispute. The Lord has to have the last word. He's gotta have the last word in this thing. I have no control over what this other person can do. I really can't. I mean, if I manipulated it or try to control it, that's not good. I've gotta give it to God. I mean, do you know, you have anyone that you have an unresolved dispute with? Were your last words harsh? Were they hopeful? Were there any ultimatums? Is the door still open? How do you view it now? Are you hopeful? Are you trusting the process? Is your end of that good? What I mean by that, 
Do you have your heart right with God and that other individual? Did you, have you done everything in your power? You know, the, he lists these examples, and these are the last things, um, points for this. When we are in uh, conflict, we wanna do no harm, okay? What I mean by that is our word that we're given is reconciliation, it's edification, not destruction. We're not there to make things worse. And believe me, we can do it. Um, this is why you wanna talk face to face, don't send emails. Emojis don't work. You wanna talk with them. So do no harm means do everything in your power. Sow the seed. What I mean by that is plant biblical truths in grace. And it's really the how that's more than the what. I'm being I'm completely, it's the how that does it more than anything, how you do it. Commend the cause to Christ. And here's the thing is, it may be years, but when you think of that individual or that problem, do you think, ah, oh, or do you pray? I know for years I have, I've still got lingering disputes and I, I, when I think of those things, I, I pray. Because you know what happens if I don't? I get wound up around that same axle. Instead of just, Lord, I gotta commend that cause to you. And then lastly, be encouraged by the examples around you. You got a great church here, great examples. Oh, I think of what Paul listed these, these men here. He listed some fellow laborers that had been in through conflict, right? Epaphras, Aristarchus, Marcus, Demas, Lucas. Do you realize two of those individuals that he lists, if you study out scriptures, you'll find one is a success story when it comes to conflict. Marcus. He was one that had a conflict with Paul. Paul thought he was a worthless tool. I mean, like this guy. Barnabas says, I don't know, I think there's value here. And they had that conflict in Acts 15. You, you know the story. But at the very end of his ministry, Paul saw what? Profit in him. That's a success of a dispute that got resolved. Demas, unfortunately, is a, in a way, is a failure. And what I mean by that, at the end in 2 Timothy, he mentions Demas is doing what? Having left, have abandoned the ministry, have departed. And you say, that's a failure. It's not a failure yet, is it? That was at that time. Do you think Paul gave up on him? So be encouraged by the examples around you because there's a lot of people here to help you that have experience to encourage you. And I say this because I've seen many people toil in despair um, about conflicts that they have with their family, with friends or previous folks in the church and they struggle and they, and they internally, but they don't even share that with other people that have what? Had victory over that already. That can encourage them. Man, you need that. And what do we do? We retreat. The Lord has the last word. Allow him to do that work. I mean, there's hope in that. Is there not? What we're gonna do, I'm gonna have, the, if we can have the praise band come up, we're gonna do something a little different. We do have some uh, prayer points. As they come up, I want this last verse in Acts 20, 32, where Paul, when he last had the last conversation with the Ephesians, the elders in, in Ephesus, he said, and now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. This is Paul saying, I can't be with you all the time. I'm not gonna always be here to help you, but what I'm gonna do is commend you. I'm gonna commit you to the Lord to have him guide you. And I love that phrase, to the word of his 
grace. Isn't that how Paul ends every letter? Grace, grace. We all need that. I, I want to say something because I mentioned this whole conflict um, that, you know, I've come down here and, and um, I, I praise the Lord for what we've had. I had a 10-year conflict. I gave up. I really did. I, I stopped trying. God didn't. And, and all of you have been very gracious. But I really thought, even in reconciliation, that trust was broken and, and the damage done was irreparable. But the, you know what? It does not come from you and I naturally. It's supernatural. So what we're gonna do, there's some prayer points I'm gonna put up there. We're gonna do um, a song of praise. If you feel compelled, the Lord's directing you, you've got some issue, some conflict. Maybe that conflict is based on something you've done. Maybe there's some conflict you've gotta give to God. These are some prayer points I want you to think about. If you wanna pray where you're at, if you wanna come forward, I'm, I'm not sure if there will be pastors that could pray with you. I'll be up front if anyone wants to come forward to pray. We're gonna sing a song of praise and we're gonna commit this study in Philemon. I know it, we went through it fairly quickly, but we need to really not leave here with just, well, that was nice. We really need to know that, look, how can God use this in my life? Where are my conflicts? Where do I need to step up? So these prayer points, be praying about that in your own hearts. If you want to sing and praise, if you want to pray where you are, if you want to come forward, please do so. But we're going to have a time of worship and prayer.